Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. You're listening to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. Tune in every week to hear honest conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness, and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. I want to provide you with the tools, guidance, motivation to help you navigate through your own recovery and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. I am super, super pumped for our guest today. Our guest is a powerhouse. Yes, a mental health powerhouse. Not only is Tori a celebrity personal trainer in LA, she is a mental health advocate and she runs her own nonprofit, Tangible Movement. Tori walks us through her experience with mental health, sobriety, and addictions. Buckle up, this one is amazing. Let's go. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to have you here, Tori. Well, thank it has you. I'm been, very excited to be here. It has been a long time coming. I think I've like stalked you for a solid month now. Is it, has it been that long? <laughs> <laughs> almost. I think almost a month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Couple of DMs there. For, yeah. Fortunately, I'm, I'm busy, which is great, which is really great news. So yes, um, but I'm glad we actually are able to make this happen. So I'm super stoked. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I just want to jump right into it. I want to know everything about you. I want to know your story, where you grew up, how, how a uh, tangible movement came to be and just what your recovery journey is. If sure. you want to fill us in. Sure. Um, all right. So basically, uh, I'm the byproduct of a severely mentally ill mother, okay, and an alcoholic mother, um, okay, and a rageaholic father. Ooh. So uh, my mom was my mom got sober, I think, when I was about three or four. Okay. Um, my first memory of her actually is in the uh, care unit, which was um, the re- recovery center rehab at the time, in, in okay. Laguna Beach, California. Um, so yeah, I was kind of born with the gene, uh, Mm -hmm. started out right, right, right from the start. 
Um, I got into a lot of trouble when I was younger. I had a lot of behavioral issues. Um, I was diagnosed severely depressed when I was 14. Okay. Uh, and started, started therapy then. So that was when I was in high school. Uh, started cutting around that age, started using drugs around that age, um, and drinking heavily around that age. Um, wow. I also was coming to the, coming to terms with the fact that I was gay. Okay. At and, 14. Um, yeah. And I, it was not acceptable to my family or to where I lived. I, li- I grew up in a town called Orange County, mm-hmm. which at the time was extremely conservative. And I mean, it still kind of to- is. Yeah, except they just voted, and, and it, it's it's blue now. No way. Uh, yeah, yep, yeah. For the okay. first time, like since like I don't know, since the Reagan era, something. But yeah, so it's that's blue now, but it wasn't then at all. And okay, I was going times to a are Catholic changing. High school. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Catholic high school. I was dealing drugs. That was my first entrepreneurial job. Was drug oh, dealing. Okay. Um, and yeah, I um. I decided that I didn't want to be gay. Okay. Uh, and I, fi- I, I figured my, fa- my father was an extreme racist and homophobe. So okay. he did not like gay people or anything that wasn't white. Mm. Um, so I was brought up to, you know, obviously understand that if you're not straight, you know, you have no life ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I didn't want to be on this planet if I wasn't going to be able to have the white picket fence and, you know, live like a normal person so my first attempted suicide was about 15 years old um i I was hospitalized for that Mm -hmm. got out of there and then started um getting into more trouble and i got uh i got kicked out of high school Uh, i was at santa margarita catholic high school and i got kicked out of high school because i um got in a a fight and ended up subsequently punching the dean in the face (gasps) oh Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. So I got kicked Whoops. out. Went to public school for a year. Yeah. And yeah. then I got back in to that high school because I told them that I channeled my anger into poetry. And oh, so they're like, okay. "Yeah." So I did for a while. And then, long story short, with high school, I didn't end up graduating. I I graduated, but they wouldn't let me walk in my graduation because I pulled a whole bunch of stunts and just did a whole bunch of stupid shit, and they didn't let me walk in my graduation. Um, oh no! Which was really horrible for my family. And then I mm-hmm. went to rehab again. I was I was using uh, I started using methamphetamines, um, met, or it was meth or speed. There's two different terms for it. It was, it was speed, okay. called speed in Orange County. And so yeah. I was using that and dealing that dealing that. And then I my parents put me in detox for that when I was 17 years old. Um, wow. all throughout this this period of time, I, I was going to different psychiatrists, and they were telling me that I was bipolar. And, okay. Um, my dad, my dad's like, no, you're not bipolar. Like, no, you know, I'm not going to have a bipolar daughter. So you're not. He right. basically was like, you're not taking that medication. Basically, um, he was so incredibly embarrassed about mental illness in the family that when he when we went to see a therapist, you know, just a regular therapist, he would force mm-hmm. us to pay cash. He wouldn't he wouldn't allow it to go through insurance because he didn't want any paper trail. Of his kids having mental illness. Yeah. So the stigma is real. Yeah. Um, And which is interesting because his father was a psychiatrist and worked on a mental, worked at a mental uh, institution. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of weird, but. um, Yeah. So, yep. 
So my drinking and drugging continued um, mm-hmm. through college. Um, I managed, though, to kind of get my shit together in college. I went to UCSB. Okay. And um, I started having horrific panic attacks, really bad panic disorder. So mm-hmm. I was afraid for about a year or two years to touch anything like drugs, alcohol, anything, because my panic disorder was so bad. Um, right. It was debilitating. Well, okay. uh, I was using I was using pills like, you know, Xanax and stuff because I was prescribed it uh, right. for okay. the um, uh, what do you call it? panic disorder. Um, but no, I was not using I was working out. I, I, I was too afraid to drink because I thought everything like touching a wall would bring on the panic attack. So I just didn't do anything. Whoa. I was too scared. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. um, yep. So after college. So did you get yeah, down moved. to like the root of the, the triggers that were, that were triggering you in, in college? No. In fact, mm-hmm. that's the whole problem with panic disorders. There's no like rhyme or reason necessarily of what brings it okay. on. A lot of, they think it's genetics too. So I found out my dad had really bad panic disorder when he was in college. Oh, wow. Which I found okay. to be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Little projection going on there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So after college, take us through that. What was that sure. like? So after college, I had a girlfriend at the time. Uh, we moved to mm-hmm. Pasadena. Uh, okay. She was in art school and she was an alcoholic. And okay. uh, I, I was an alcoholic. And then I started drinking again, of course, because um, my panic disorder went away. So I was drinking okay. and I, heavily, I was using pills very heavily. Uh, Ritalin. Xanax, Ativan, Ambien, Clonopin, and I would take it all day long. All of those pills. Oh, and and um, o- opiates as well. So I would mix okay. up the uh, Ritalin and opiates. I would smash it and snort it in the morning and like throughout the afternoon. And then in the afternoon would come and I would start taking some Ativan because I was getting a little bit you know edgy. And then I would take some Xanax and then I'd have a couple shots of um, uh, vodka. And then I'd have some clonopin and then Ambien and go to bed and then do the same thing over again. Wow. Um, That's yeah, an extensive that routine. Daily. Yeah. For years I did this. And, wow. um, so, so she, she would, she would say, I'm an alcoholic. I'm like, no, I'm not. You are. So we both mm-hmm. pointed the finger at each other. Cause she was, she just did, al- she just did alcohol. I was a pill popper. Okay. Um, and I, I drank too, but and I, but I preferred pills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then I, I, I went into the mortgage business or no, 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 I'm sorry. Okay. I, uh, I got a job working at a gym, um, uh, selling gym memberships. And I was just so despondent. No, you okay. know, I graduated top, top of my class and they tell you go to college, you'll get a great job, yada, yada. And that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So started drinking. Then I, then I started drinking really heavily. Somebody said, you can make a lot of money in the mortgage business. I didn't know a damn thing about the mortgage business. So I'm like, all right, well, try it out. And yeah. I did. I made a fortune. I made a small fortune in there. And I was using wow. very heavily. Um, then I started my own mortgage real estate company. I had three offices, uh, one in Orange County, one out of India, a call center out of oh. India, and then, an, and then an office in uh, Beverly Hills. And um and this was one of my twenties, my early twenties, mid twenties. And I was making no, mid to late twenties. Yeah. So I was making really, really good money all at the same time, cheating and my girlfriend, drinking heavily, using pills heavily, just kind of like running amok. And, right. uh, she ended up leaving me. And then like a month after she left me, the market crashed and I ended up bankrupt. Oh no. Um, and so my, um, 
my boot camp instructor kept telling me that I had an alcohol problem because he'd smelled alcohol coming off of me every time I came in. And I just basically told him to just mind his own business. Right. And, um, yeah, I'm like, mind your own business. Like just, this is boot camp. Like I'm not looking for a dad. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he kept after me and finally I'm like, fine. Yeah. Okay. I'll stop drinking for one day. That's all he wanted me to do is one day, not drinking, no using. Okay. And then he kept after me like every day, like just check in with me, you know, just tell me you're sober one day that anyways, Long story short, he became my sponsor and he gave me my first fitness job at um, Barry's boot camp. Oh, no way. So okay. Yep. So I taught there because um, I thought his job seemed really cool. He literally would yell, yell at people all day long, calling pussies and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. I'd like to call people pussies all day long. So um, <laughs> he literally, it was during his class. He literally took the headset off of his head and put it on my head. And he's like, finished teaching uh -huh. the class. And that's how I started. No way. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I quickly developed, um, I had a small eating disorder. I didn't, I wasn't too aware of it at the time, but once okay. I got sober, it really popped out. Um, okay. I, I, I was a binge, binge, binge restrict exercise bulimic. And okay. um, what I didn't mean? even know what the word, yeah, I didn't know what it is either. But what it okay. looked like was I would restrict my caloric intake to about 500 to 800 calories a day and then work out about four to six hours a day. Whoa. Um, and then I would do that for a bit. And then I, obviously your body cannot, you know, live like that. So I would end up binging, no. binging heavily, like about 4,000 calories a day. Okay. Like a ridiculous amount of food. Yeah. Um, and so that went on back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, fuck this. Like, this is, I was miserable. I hated myself. I hated my body. I hated everything about my life. And I'm like, I'd rather be drunk, mm -hmm. you know, dealing with this mm -hmm. than being sober dealing with this. Started right. drinking and again, and then, you know, uh, end up getting sober again. And then I got into a really bad relationship with this woman I was working for. She owned a gym. Uh -huh. uh, it was my first abusive relationship. Um, like physically, heavy, or yeah, both, yeah, both. Okay. Uh, first, yeah, first physical and first verbal, verbally abusive, like uh, relationship. And um, okay. she was a sociopath. In hindsight, mm -hmm. um, I did a lot of research while I was dating her about sociopaths, and she's definitely one of them. Um, okay. So she ended up. I, I ended up. She ended up raping me during the relationship. In the relationship. Oh. And yeah, and, wow. being, and physically abusive. So that was the first time also that I've been uh, that I had been raped. Oh my god, that's horrible. Um, mm-hmm. And um so that caused quite a bit of trauma. <laughs> yeah. To of say course. the least. Yeah. And then yeah. And then shortly thereafter I really went downhill very quickly. And, okay. um, I was traveling with a client to New York a couple of years later, or maybe like a year or two later, heavily into drinking and, and drugging again, and heavily, mm -hmm. heavily back, back into my eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was miserable. I thought this is not how I, 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 I don't want to live anymore. Like this is absolutely something I don't, I, I cannot live on this planet existing the way right. I'm existing anymore. And I didn't know any other solution. So I took a bunch right. of pills, drank a bunch of alcohol. And I guess I texted everybody saying goodbye. Oh, wow. Uh, that was killing myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I woke up 
um, to my client pounding on my door at three o'clock in the afternoon with urine all over the bed, like donuts and pizza smashed in the bed. The room looked like a football team had come through and just bashed it. So what the, what I think happened, and I don't know, but what I think happened was I went downstairs after I took the pills and was doing all the drinking and got all this food Mm -hmm. and binged. And I binged myself out of my overdose. That's the only thing I could think of how I survived uh, my overdose. So I guess my eating disorder saved my life at that point. So, um, ironically, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, my therapist had been trying to get me to go to treatment for quite a while. And so I decided Mm -hmm. that since I didn't die, obviously then I might, the treatment might be a good option. So uh, I flew back to LA and went to treatment. Um, a couple days later, which was November 22nd, 2010. Okay. Um, and then I met a girl in there. Uh, oh. so in treatment, <laughs> if you're not familiar with treatment, whoever's listening, it's like you go and you ask everybody, oh, how long have you been in treatment for? Like, how many times have you been in treatment? So I asked this girl, mm-hmm. how many times have you been in treatment? And she says 27 times, not including 16 psychiatric stays. And my eyes oh. got really big. And I thought, oh my God, this is my, this is my future wife. Like, this is the one. Literally, that is what I thought. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's how fucked up I was. That's how fucked up I was trying to get sober and detoxing from benzos and coming out of an eating disorder. And so the the place I went to was a dual diagnosis center, which was for eating disorder, depression, and alcohol and drug abuse. So, um, I was kicking everything at once. Okay. So, of course, we ended up moving in together. Of course you and did. Of course we did. And yeah. I didn't know how to function without alcohol, drugs, and my eating disorder. So I mm. literally was immobile. I laid on the couch for about five months, and I couldn't move. Like, like literally couldn't even wash a dish. Wow. And finally, she's like, look, she's like, look, I'm taking you, and you are going to be admitted at UCLA Psychiatric Unit. I'm like, no. She's like, um, yeah, she's like, and you're going to tell them that you intend to harm yourself because they're not going to take you any other way. And, yeah. and she's like, and if you don't, I'm leaving you. And, oh. um, I'm like, okay. So I went in on a 5150 mm-hmm. and they told me again, I was bipolar. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And, um, I came out, I did their IOP and, um, I realized and then she ended up having a psychiatric, a psychotic episode and she was bipolar, had, and had borderline personality disorder and had a really raging eating disorder. So us together was like a nightmare. And, um, she ended up having a psychiatric break and went into treatment at, um, what do you call it? Um, Cedars, Cedars, I think it was. Cedars. Cedars okay. Yeah. She, I wanted a dog and she mm-hmm. told me I couldn't get a dog because I couldn't take care of myself while I was in treatment. This girl that I was, while well, I was in the psychiatric unit at UCLA, this girl's like, oh, we have dogs for adoption. My mom rescues dogs. And we had this one dog that could only be uh, rescued by a lesbian. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he bites people. He bites men. So he's been returned four times and he bit, he, he, was, he bit like four men. Oh, no. And, yeah. So I went back. I'm like, I want this dog. And she's like, absolutely not. She went to Cedar Sinai. Yeah. I ended, I ended up, uh, you know, um, bringing the dog home. Like, cause I was, I was, uh, I was volunteering for them at, after I okay. got out of, tre- uh, out of, after I got out of UCLA. When right. she went into the treatment center, I'm like, forget it. I'm fostering him. So I brought him home. His name is Rufus. And <laughs> so when she, she got home, 
She's like, I told you no dog. I'm like, no, we're just going to foster him. Yeah. Anyway, we, we ended up adopting him, of course. And I paid him way more attention than her. And she says, look, I think we need to get rid of the dog. I'm like, what? What? And she's like, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. She's like, you don't really pay much attention to me anymore. I'm like, well, that's because you're off, you know, growing up all, all, all over Santa Monica, like in the middle of the oh, night. No. The middle, yeah. So yeah. Rufus doesn't do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I told her, I said, look, if you're giving me an ultimatum between the dog and me, then I'm going to choose the dog. And she didn't like that answer. And I ended up leaving her and mm-hmm. um, I didn't have any money because all the money I had spent, I, I had, I spent on treatment to cover what my insurance didn't cover. Right. So I had an old And that's, car. is not cheap. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so all my savings were gone. I had no money, no job. I started living out of my car with my dog, Rufus. Oh, wow. So I was homeless. Yeah, I was homeless for, I don't know, maybe half a year. I don't know how long it was. Something along those lines. I ended Whoa. up getting a job at, mm-hmm. I got a job at Equinox. Um, okay. Basically starting over again as like a brand new trainer, even though I've been traveling all over the world. Oh, that's another thing too, but I'll get to. Um, okay. So I travel a lot with my clients because they're high profile and they wanted somebody to go with them. So I would do that. Now I'm homeless and working at Equinox, picking up weights off the floor as a blue shirt, like beginner trainer again. Like it was very humble. Right. Yeah. So I would, I would just sleep in my car and then I would shower up at Equinox and then go down during my breaks and walk Rufus. He would stay in the car because it was underground. Oh parking. my gosh. Uh-huh. So I did that until I saved up enough money to get a little apartment. I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm. These gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash A-S-G-G. Um, wow. And, the, yep, and then um, 
uh, I did it because I, I knew that if I didn't stay sober, regardless, like I was going to die. Like there's no doubt in my mind that if I tried, if I relapsed, like I knew if I relapsed, being sober, being living out of my car was not going to get any easier. Right. And I didn't have any, I didn't have any money to use anyway. <laughs> that was another part yeah. of the problem. <laughs> I was broke. I had no money to buy alcohol, no money to go to a doctor to get pills, nothing. Right. So, um, you were legit yeah. tapped out. Oh yeah. Legit. And so a couple of years go about a year and a half go by. And I mean, after I got an apartment, um, mm-hmm. uh, after working at Equinox, then I got a phone call from a uh, music manager from another client I used to work with and said, Hey, you know, so-and-so I said, no, I don't know. So-and-so like, okay, well he's going on tour and I want you to go on tour with him to get him in shape for his tour. I'm like, okay, so I quit okay. Equinox. I had about two years sober at this time. And for the next three years off and on, I spent with him um, mm-hmm. traveling all over the U.S., um, Canada, uh, Australia, U.K., and Europe. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that was great. It was awesome. And then yeah, came back and went back to my normal thing, you know, personal training. Yeah. Um, eventually got a bigger apartment. I rode a scooter. I, I, uh, I got rid of that car because it was like literally about to just die. And then I got yeah. a scooter, a little scooter. So I drove a scooter around for about four years. I didn't have a car. Oh my God. In and, LA, uh, a scooter. Yep. A scooter. <laughs> wow. Yep, four years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, but um, isn't it just so like funny all- in LA how you can go, like, you're working this for anyone who doesn't know what Equinox is, it's like a super high end shishi gym, if you will, right? Right. And yep. you're working there, yet you're living out of your car. And yep. all it takes is one phone call to really kind of just kind of change your whole living situation. That was it. That was that one phone call that basically changed my life as far as yeah. like my, my, my career tra- trajectory at that moment, the next three years, at least for sure. Right. Um, and it's funny. I was just out there wedding this weekend as well. Uh, oh, no wedding. way. Uh, yeah. Cause I train, uh, I was trying, I train both him and his, uh, beyond, or his wife now. Oh, nice. Um, so I've been yeah training him for about six years and her for about three, but, um, that's great. But yeah, so, you know, it hasn't been easy, obviously, being sober um, mm-hmm. for as long as I've been sober, but it, it gets easier over time. Um, the one thing I have to say is, is the eating disorder was definitely the hardest part for me to overcome, for sure. Way more okay. difficult to overcome that than drugs and alcohol ever were. Really? Um, so whenever, yeah, Why do you so, think? Um, it was so dark and deep and shameful. And every other moment of my existence when I was had my eating disorder. I was thinking about food constantly. If you were talking yeah. to me and there happened to be a packet of M&Ms on the table, I would not hear yeah. one word you were saying. I would just be focusing on those M&Ms and then thinking about my, then it would trigger a binge and I would leave you mm-hmm. and go home and go to this grocery store or wherever I needed to go and get like a shit ton of M&Ms and donuts, everything else and binge. Like you have to eat food. That's the problem. Like with alcohol, you give up alcohol. Right. right? Yeah. You don't have to drink it every day. Right. With food, you have to eat. Exactly. You have to eat every day. To survive. So, and be, yes. have nutrition and vitamins and all that good stuff that keeps you healthy and alive. Yeah. Yes. And it was yeah. extremely shameful. Very shameful. Very, very mm-hmm. shameful. Very dark and extremely difficult to mentally get out of um, 
the main thing was that I didn't have any hunger or fullness cues. Um, I was always mm. hungry and never full, always hungry and never full. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. So it took me, I would say a good solid two years to really fully recover from my eating disorder. Even though I was abstinent, it was right. still, I was thinking about calories and food all the time. Right. Until about the two year mark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, being like abstinent and then, then being like mentally sober or mentally in recovery is a whole different ballgame. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And then um, what happened next was, um, oh, I wrote. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. I think what happened next. Oh yeah. So I was going to the other psychiatrist, you know, I was trying to figure out, I was severely depressed. I have, um, I have intrusive suicidal, um, ideations that would come into my head about 20 to 30 times a day. Um, wow. I couldn't control them. Yeah. I, they're uncontrollable. They would just pop on my head, like randomly go kill yourself or just take, if I was driving, you know, drive off, Hey, drive off that cliff or just, right. you know, run into that forklift or just take, take your gun and shoot yourself or whatever. It just, it was just constant, 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 constant. Um, wow. so I went to a couple doctors. They kept telling me I was bipolar. And then I went to this one uh -huh. doctor. And I, for some reason I trusted her. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're bipolar. And I'm like, but I'm not. She's like, look, there's four different types of bipolar. And then she broke yeah. it down for me. She was like, there's bipolar type one where you, you know, uh -huh. you go into psychosis basically. Um, when you yep. have a, ma a manic episode, there's bipolar type two, which is mm -hmm. hypomanic episodes, but it's characterized by long periods of depression. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, and she's like, and you do not go into psychosis with, um, bipolar. Right. Two. And then she talked to me about bipolar three with cyclothymia, which is basically rapid cycling bipolar. And then bipolar four was, is, uh, not otherwise specified. You know, you, you can't, they can't categorize it, but you are bipolar. So anyway, um, come to, come to terms with it. Finally realizing the different types of bipolar that there are different yeah. types and I was bipolar. I'm bipolar two, okay. bipolar type two. So okay. what that looks like for me is my manic episodes, uh, my hypomanic episodes usually 
are crazy amounts of spending and okay. or starting companies. So, okay. Um, yeah. Interesting. So for an example, and for an example, I woke up one morning, I'm like, I'm going to buy a motorcycle. Okay. And I decided to go buy a motorcycle, a Harley Davidson for $4,000. He's like, well, let me see if I can get you financed. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Cause I was bankrupt, you know? Um, and uh-huh. you, you can't, fi- you can't finance me anyways. Like we finance everybody. Anyways, right. he financed me up to $20,000. I saw this $15,000 bike. I'm like, I'll take that one. Oh, I didn't even my gosh. sit on it. I didn't even, even sit on the bike. I no. signed the contract. Yeah, I swear to God. <gasps> signed a contract and the payments were $400 a month. Okay. Um, the bike was too big for me. That's why I couldn't, I got on it, but it was too big. I couldn't put my feet on the ground. It was huge. Um, oh, no. And yeah. I walk finally. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'll pick the bike up tomorrow. Cause I got my scooter right now. Right. So I scooted. Yeah. I, I walk off the lot. I literally put one foot onto the street right by my scooter. And I yeah. realized what I had done. I realized what I had done. I didn't oh, no. have any, I was like in a blind, like I was in this, like almost blackout yeah. during this whole process of buying the thing. So I went home, laid in bed for two days and didn't talk to anybody. They kept calling me you know, about the bike and long story short, I got out of the contract because I never test drove it. So apparently if you don't test drive a vehicle or if you don't take it off the lot, then that means you have not taken possession of the vehicle and you don't, you don't own it. So you can get out of your, your contract. And so I did. Oh, thank God. Thankfully. Yeah. So it looks like that. And then in in retrospect, in hindsight, Mm -hmm. my mortgage company, I started that in a hypomanic episode. Okay. Uh, okay. And I started it very, very quickly. I got everything together very rapidly. I was up, you know, like for a couple nights, you know, like not sleeping very much, but it, like I, I was, I was not psychotic at all. Okay. There was no psychosis. Right. There was no being completely out of touch with reality. It was just, I had a lot of energy and I just really wanted to start a company. Right. And then, uh, the nonprofit, which that's, that's uh, hard because like, isn't that what like everyone strives to be is like, successful and get things done and like a go-getter and you know an entrepreneur but like here it's in a whole different capacity correct Mm -hmm. yes and so um and then what happened was i was on uh my this doctor put me on some medication for bipolar but i had a really bad reaction to it so i stopped taking it Mm -hmm. and then there was this big uh, shoot. There's there's this big mass shooting in Paris um, in 2015. Okay. And everybody was posting up, you know, pictures of the Paris flag saying, oh, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Right. I had just entered into this hypomanic episode now at this moment. And, um, and I was like, fuck thoughts and prayers. Like, we need to do something tangible in order to, you know, save this planet. Like, thoughts and prayers aren't going to do shit. Right. So the initial the initial starting of the of the nonprofit was um, to help you do something tangible, like in your own backyard, like go to a, a old person's home, or mm-hmm. go to and, and help them set up their iPhone, or go pick up trash on the beach in your own community, like something tangible to help the world, basically, just anything right. small. Right. So I came up I came up with a name it was called Do Something Tangible. I filed the incorporation documents that night, and I built the website in twenty four hours. And wow. um I didn't do any research. So come to find out the next day, there is a company, there is an organization <laughs> called do something tangible and they do exactly what no. I just said. Exactly. Oh, no. 
Yes. Okay. So I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, all right, all right. So pivot. I'm like, okay, time to yeah, pivot. pivot. Exactly. Pivot, pivot. I'm like, right, all right. What what else can I do? I have this nonprofit. You know, it's already going through the process of getting 501c3. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm like, and that costs money. Us. FYI, everyone. Oh, yeah. I spent a lot of money. Okay. That yes. I definitely like burnt through thousands. Yeah. Thousands. Easy. Uh, starting just literally in, in like two or three days. Not yeah. even joking. And then I come out of, I come out of the, the, the manic, the manic episode basically. And I just mm-hmm. laid in bed for like two weeks. So I just was like, that's what happens that the, the hypomanic episodes for me are very short and small. And then the depression afterwards is like weeks to months. Wow. So I, I okay. finally got on the right medication. Yeah. I finally got on the right medication and came out of it and decided to pivot exactly, uh, the mm-hmm. tangible movement to, uh, you know, basically, um, <clears throat> mimic my, my experience. Uh, okay. With drugs, alcohol, depression, sexual and gender identity identity issues, mm-hmm. and abuse. Um, so basically, that's my mission statement. Not me. We, we are a five hundred one c three nonprofit corporation that was formed to inspire, educate, and provide tangible support for youth and young adults who are struggling with depression, addiction, sexual and gender identity issues, and abuse. And what wow. that looks like, yeah, what that looks that's like awesome. is going around. Thank you. Going around to um, schools uh, and universities and mental health conferences and speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first phase of the nonprofit, at least for now. And that's where we're at currently. Okay. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's so Thank great. You. I mean, I hate to say this, but your manic episode has done, has done you good on this one. I know. I, I know. And it did me good for the, for the, for the uh, mortgage company, too. Yeah, it definitely did. So it just, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it put it also, but in the same token, over the years has put me into massive amounts of debt because of my yes. spending problem. Yeah, gotcha. Like I, okay, I am the type of person. Unfortunately, I have the gene. I guess, like mm-hmm. I have everything wrong with me. Like if there was a <laughs> box of hair, if there's, if you had a box of hair sitting at my desk long enough, I would probably get addicted to that too. Like. Oh Lord! <laughs> yeah, like everything: eating disorder, drugs, alcohol. You know, I even da- I even thought I had a sex sex problem at one point. You know, okay. Um, depression, you name it. Like I've been through it all. I've been to like every twelve step program there is as well. Uh, debting, right? You know, debtors anonymous. So I've done it all. Okay. Um, since you've come, got- out, come out the other side. Yeah, I mean, since you've been through it all, what do you like? Like, what works for you? Uh, you mean or on a daily basis? Do you go to meeting? Yeah, on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Do you go to meetings? Do you, like, how do you practice your sobriety? So it's changed over the years. Like, for a while, I would actually do meditation in the morning and I would do the whole journaling and I would do um, meetings and I had a sponsor. I still have a sponsor. Sponsor, mm-hmm. I would do step work. Um, all the things that you're taught to do, right? Right. Um, but then my life started getting busier and fuller, which is great. So, yeah. um, basically for me, what the most important thing for me is regular exercise mm-hmm. and staying busy, staying busy. Like okay. if I was out of work again, I, I would, it would be very difficult for me. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention. I also moved to Australia. Uh, oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I, I moved to Australia a year ago for uh this woman that i had met in la we dated here for six months and then did long distance for six months and then i 
And then I moved okay. out there and it didn't work out. We did not work out. So I moved back. That was not okay. in a manic episode. That was really well thought out. Actually. I was really <laughs> very, very proud of myself. Okay. Um, but yeah, it didn't work out. And I came back. That was about a year and okay. a half ago. Um, but yes. And I wasn't busy out there. Like there's nothing to do because I couldn't work. Um, right. So I right. tried, I tried to volunteer and they did, they weren't interested necessarily in me volunteering because they knew I was there temporarily and they wanted more of a long-term mm-hmm. volunteer program. So I really didn't have much to do at all. And I slipped into a depression. Um, right. So for me, it is important to stay busy, to keep doing things that stimulate my mind. Um, mm-hmm. Exercise is important. Like I said, um, I don't get to go to as many meetings as I like because I literally get up at like four o'clock in the morning and I don't get home until eight o'clock at night. Um, okay. Because I have all these different projects I'm working on. Um, but I would say having a structured, having some structure. Yeah. To your life, whether or not you have a job or not, but forcing structure on yourself, you know, forcing, forcing a daily routine of some sort is very important. I think. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree. Right. Mm -hmm. A support group. Um, if you just grab one or two, make sure you got one or two awesome people in your life that you can, that you know, you can rely and depend on and you can talk to and they, they're not going to, they're not judgy, whatever, but for me, is the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous that was more important than the actual meetings. Mm-hmm. The friends yeah, that I made in AA was definitely more. I I think honestly, it was more important than for me going to the meetings. Even though I went to a lot of meetings, but the friendships that I made was were solid. That's um, great. Prayer, you know, um, I believe in a universe, a uh, higher power of some yeah. sort. I don't mm-hmm. have it labeled. There's no physical embodiment of that higher power. I just believe that I am not all there is on this planet and that I did not create the fish in the ocean or the ocean itself. Yes. So, um, I do, I do say, uh, 10 things I'm grateful for every morning. Um, and they're very mm-hmm. basic things like my apartment, my dog, that I have yeah. a car, that I have a job, that I have some money in the bank. Just very basic things that I'm grateful for after not having anything at all. Um, And yeah, that's, I think that that's what I would say. And if you're new in sobriety, if you're new, absolutely Mm -hmm. meetings, sponsorship. If you have a God issue, don't worry about it. It's not necessary. You know, you don't have to deal with the God thing at all. I don't Mm -hmm. believe that there's a, for me, I don't believe in a, a, a God figure, you know, right. And I'm still sober. So, um, I would say early sobriety for me for sure was meetings, journaling, um, getting a sponsor, taking direction, learning how to take direction, whether I liked it or not. Yeah. Um, following that, following that direction, whether I liked it or not was important. Um, yeah. Having it, having a job, whether it's, whether it's a little, a uh, minimum wage job or, you know, high power job, just having someplace to go every day is important. Yeah. I mean, having so a purpose, having a reason to get up in the morning is very yeah. powerful. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what is it like dating for you? I know, oh my God. I don't know. I don't know if you want me to like tell everyone how we like met or connected. No, no, but... it's totally fine. Yeah, go ahead. Go okay. ahead. So we, it was Tinder, right? I, I'm one of the apps I'm on, like I, yeah. I was on like five of them. Okay. So I saw you on Tinder and then I read what you were about. And that's actually when I got, when I discover a tangible movement. And then I think in your bio, it said you were sober. And, and right away, I'm like, yes, like, that's cool. 
I like that. Yes. Um, like just like for a friend wise, partner wise, like cool down. So I swiped left. Yeah. Left or right. I forget right. which one is like, right. Swipe right. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and then we started talking, uh, I guess we connected through Instagram. Yes. Yeah, so, so what is dating like for you? Honestly, mm. it's fucking horrible. Horrible. <laughs> okay. Um, I absolutely attract garbage. Like, oh my, my God. Picker, my picker is really, really bad. I have a really bad picker. Really, really bad. In fact, it's an ongoing joke with all of my friends. Like, I went yeah. to two weddings. I was, I, I was in a wedding. Um, yeah. I was a best man at my best friend's wedding. Um, a two weeks, uh, three weeks ago. And then I was at my client's wedding, right? Uh, they yeah. gave me, both gave me a plus one and they both told me and they don't, they're not friends. Yeah. They're like, don't bring any of your psycho bitches to my no. wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> psycho garbage, crashing <laughs> bitches to that wedding. Oh my and God. So yeah. So basically, um, I, so attract, noted. <laughs> yes. I attract. I, I just brought my friends to the wedding. Um, right. I, I, I attract, generally speaking, uh, extreme narcissists. Mm. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know why. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it's the, who I'm looking at or going after. Um, definitely extreme narcissists is the number one pick thing that okay. I, I seem to attract. Um, going on these dates have been horrific. Because yes. there's all these, fil- there's all these filters on their faces and the stupid fucking Snapchat filters and everything. I even <laughs> posted up on my Tinder profile. I said, you know, basically don't even bother swiping if you have a filter. And I said, ladies, if you're over the age of 30 or 35 and you have a heavy filter on your photo, you're not fooling anybody. Like, stop it. And uh, <laughs> I would show up, I would show up to these dates and uh-huh. just get e- furious furious oh, no. because they don't oh, look no. like themselves and i'd right. be rude because i'm just i'm the same i'm just i can't hide it like i'm i am who i am right so like, what I'm do like, you say to someone you're like you look absolutely like, nothing like your pictures you're aware yeah, of that no they right? say, they're like no they say oh don't i look like my pictures i'm like actually no they're like really <laughs> i'm like yeah i'm like this is actually deception you're deceiving you are deceiving people by posting what you're posting and, and then looking how you look you are you know what we're here oh major i I don't have any room for any bullshit i'm too old for that and um i'm like look i'm here i'm hungry we can eat dinner if you want but that's gonna be it one and done yeah like we're never gonna see each other again correct yeah yeah so some of the girls have walked off i actually got punched in the face once (gasps) oh no yep Mm -hmm. yep because um that's a bit she much. Was, yep. She was sitting across from me and just like digging. Like she wouldn't even know each other, but she was taking jabs at me for some reason. I don't like this really aggressive, passive aggressive, like mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, right. I'm like, you're, you're bisexual, right? And she's like, yep. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, I haven't really met any bisexual women that don't have severe daddy issues. And she's like, Ex- whoa. <laughs> she's like, excuse me? And I said, yeah, yeah, just maybe that's just who I've been attracting. I'm like, but yeah, I'm like, how is your relationship with your father? Right. And she's like, I was raised by a strong black woman. I'm like, I didn't ask about your mother. Right. I'm like, I'm like, so your, your father wasn't in your life. 
apparently. Right. Right. And she's like, this is none of your, they're none of your fucking business. And she stood up. All right. I stood up to leave. And she's like, uh-huh. you're, you're leading. I'm like, yeah, this is over. We're done. And yeah. she stood up and we're both walking out together. And she turns and punches me in the face. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that. Okay. I thought my dates were bad. <sighs> yeah. You... I mean, someone's and like bit my lip something off? new. Yeah. 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 I was Ugh. trying something new. I, I typically date like white women, light yeah. eyes, blonde hair. So I'm like, all right, let me be, let me try the ethnic, you know, go spread my wings and, you know, date yeah, ethnically broad diverse horizons. women. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was, there, there went that. That okay. was that. Well, lesson yeah, learned. Punch in the face. Yeah. Oof. So yes. My friends okay. get the biggest kick out of my dating stories. My clients do. Like they think I should write yeah. a book because of how horrible, horrible, horrible dates I've been on. Oh my gosh. So, t- so I hope that answers your question. Oh, and then I, yeah. so for the first time in years since I've been, well, first time in a year and a half, but then before that I had my profiles as well. I would, I, uh, I actually deleted my profiles and deleted the apps, all of them, uh, like three days ago. All right. I figured, look, I keep attracting garbage. Like, so there's something wrong. Maybe there's something within myself that I needed to work on to mm-hmm. not attract these types of women. Like, I don't understand what's happening. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a good idea. Try, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work out, try anything else. I can tell you, since you're Canadian, Mm -hmm. I went to Toronto um, a couple weeks ago, and I had my Tinder set to Toronto before I went there. Uh And um, I had some really amazing uh, conversations with the Canadian girls, and like literally I landed, swiped on a girl, and we went to dinner that night. Amazing girl. Like, yeah, she was awesome. Like, perfect on paper. Like, there just wasn't any, any chemistry. But right. uh, I, I ended up talking to a bunch of Canadian girls up there and they didn't have any filters on their thing. They seemed really normal and really chill. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe the Canadian route is is something I, for me. I don't fucking know. You know what? I do have to tell you, we are a very, um, very solid bunch. <laughs> if I do say so <laughs> yeah. myself. Um, My, we are, yeah. We're real. Like we are down to earth girls. And I, I just as as people Canadians I find are a little more genuine and loyal. Yep, of course I'm yep. generalizing, but um, we're good people. We really are. I'm, no, I'm I, a huge, I 100% agree. I'm proud of us. <laughs> my my sister just called me the other day or not the other day, yesterday and mm-hmm. told me that she did 23 and me and that we okay. have a huge, 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 huge family like presence in Canada. Huge. No way. So, Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. look out. The, Berk- the Berkstrom, the Berkstroms and the Nelson. Okay. But anyway, right yeah. So, so that's, that's, I hope that answers your question in, in regards to um, my dating life. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Just figure yeah. out why I'm attracting what I'm attracting. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and that thing is too, I, okay. I usually typically date a lot younger than myself. So that's another oh. problem. Okay. How yeah. old are you? 40. You're 40? Mm-hmm. Wow. You, I don't I use mean, filters. There's no filters. Wow. I know. Damn. Yeah, I look, 40 looks good I, on you. Yeah, it looks, I mean, I, I have <laughs> to say, like, I got good genetics some, somewhere down the line, you know, yeah. genetics, but I don't, um, most people think I'm about, I don't know, like 27 to 30-ish. Yeah. 
I would totally say, but pushing like early thirties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just, just from looking at you. Yeah. Yes. Um, You're definitely have to give me some of your secrets. (laughs) Yeah. It's called Cetaphil napping and genetics. Woo. Okay. You guys hear that? She just spilled the beauty secrets. There it is. (laughs) Stop with all the expensive bullshit. It doesn't do shit. Ah, a little Botox goes a long way. I'm not, I'm not, oh, I'm yeah. not a... Okay, I do, I do have a little teeny bit of Botox in my forehead. That's it, though. Yeah, but it's, a, that's yeah. maintenance. I, it's preventative. So I look 40 when I'm 50. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so one more question. What little tidbit of advice would you give to anyone listening to this podcast right now, either thinking of getting sober or they're having a t- hard time through their sobriety and recovery. What word of advice would you give to someone listening right now? I would say this. I'd say, look, the alcohol and drugs are always going to be there. And mm-hmm. if you try out sobriety, you try it on, and you don't like it, you can have your old life back. Right. You're not going to lose. You're not losing anything by trying to get sober. You know, it's you can mm-hmm. if you don't like the so- sober life after 30 days. Or however long you can certainly go back to using and drinking because the alcohol and drugs are always going to be there. Um, right. That's what I would say. I would say just give it a try, um, but really give it an honest try. Uh, yeah. You know, if, you know, go go surround yourself with sober people and preferably in a program like Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, mm-hmm. um, see a therapist. Um, let all your friends know. You know, if they are solid friends, that you are doing this so they can support you. Yes. Um, and Definitely stay away from the individuals who are heavy drinkers or heavy users during this period of time that you're discovering whether or not you want to get sober. I think that's what I would say. Cool. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for chatting with me. And I love your story and tangible movement. Where can everyone find tangible movement? Yeah, sure. We are uh, on Instagram at at tangible movement. We are Mm -hmm. on Facebook. Facebook is Tangible Movement, and our website is www.tangiblemovement.org. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Wow. What an incredible story. How amazing is Tori? Don't forget to head over to tangiblemovement.org and make a donation today. And if you or a loved one are suffering from any mental health issues, or just don't feel right and don't know what to do about it, tangiblemovement.org has all the information and resources for you. Also, A Sober Girl's Guide has a lot of directions to point you in. As always, thank you so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you guys. Please like, subscribe, and leave a comment. I'd love to hear the feedback from you guys. Make sure to follow on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide, and check us out on the web at a sobergirlsguide.com. Have a great day.